Yo, this is Malik Pitchford, and at the time of writing this piece, I was an associate editor for 14 East. This commentary works through Toni Morrison and rappers No Name and Kendrick Lamar to make a point on the lack of power and sovereignty over black cultural productions. I normally dislike reading my old writing, but most of the arguments I make in this piece, I still stand by. But if I could change something in the piece, I'd delete the subtitle, which reads, The white gaze is omnipresent why people must hold themselves accountable when consuming black content. And I do this so that I make myself clear that individual consumption habits or being aware of the white gaze is not nearly the solution to the problem. I would also make clear that at the end, the gaze is reflective of the lack of economic and political power among the dispossessed, but for this piece, particularly black people in America. The inability to produce creative products without the patronage and support from benevolent individuals and organizations is the problem, and is not challenged merely by being aware that this is the circumstance. Mindfulness might be helpful, but it is not the total solution, and to believe so would be missing the forest for the trees. Without any further clarification, please enjoy Beware of the White Gaze, read by Anissa Sheely. The white gaze is omnipresent. It occurs when people view black creations under the scope of white ethnocentrism, which involves the idea of looking at one's own culture as the highest standard of quote-unquote good culture. Popular music critics and old plantation overseers both share this socio-cultural lens. This select outlook relates race in real time and represents the relationship between the black experience and its context in America. An overseer sees a black woman as a vehicle to carry out white supremacy. They believe the ability to decide the cultural and political worth of a black person is warranted by matter of their own white existence. The white music critic treats his opinion on black content as law. Black people can never escape the scope of white ethnocentrism in America. Black American culture has always stood below the scrutinizing eyes of white supremacy. Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winner Toni Morrison explains her issues with the white gaze in an interview with Charlie Rose in 1998. Bill Moyers, I think, wants to ask you the question, can you imagine writing a novel that is not centered on race? Rose said, referencing another interview, and you said, absolutely. The posturing of this question suggests that Black writers need to neglect their own Black consciousness in favor of white ethnocentric standards. White people viewing their culture as THE quintessential culture is a direct symptom of white supremacy. In response, Morrison said, Yes, I can write about white people. White people can write about Black people. Anything can happen in art. There are no boundaries there. Having to do it, or having to prove that I can do it, is what was embarrassing or insulting. She later went on to say, The question was posed as though it were a desirable thing to do, to write about white people, or to write not about race. That's what that means to me. Afterwards, Morrison explains her issues with the white gaze, questioning her freedom as an artist. Rose asks if Morrison is importing too much into the question, thus further gaslighting her. Too often, 
white people tell black people, especially black women, that any critical reactions to oppressive actions are not valid. The undermining and trivializing of black thought occurs when looking at the white gaze. White ethnocentrism involves the idea that everything in existence is for the consumption of the white gaze. The idea that some forms of media and culture are not explicitly produced with white people in mind can sometimes come across as disrespectful and invalid to those white consumers. American media focuses on the white experience and delegates minority groups to something of a lesser importance. It is as though our lives have no meaning and no depth without the white gaze, Morrison said. I've spent my entire writing life trying to make sure that the white gaze was not the dominant one in any of my books. Black people must think about the context of our lives and how the white gaze might perceive us. Hip-hop artist Fatima Naima Warner, better known by the stage name No Name, shares a similar struggle with Morrison, who died in 2019, but has gone as far as announcing that she will no longer perform or make music. In a series of since-deleted tweets, No Name explained her own issues with the white gaze. On November 28, 2019, she tweeted, me consistently creating content that is primarily consumed by a white audience who would rather shit on me than challenge their liberalism because somehow liking Lizzo's music absolved them of racist tendencies. No Name also said, What's funny is most black artists are just as uncomfortable performing for majority white crowds, but would never publicly say that out of fear and allegiance to money. Which isn't a bad thing necessarily, because niggas gotta eat but y'all wouldn't be up in arms if I quit working at McDonald's. This is a great example of the damaging effects the white gaze has on black artists. While the white gaze can materially benefit black artists with things such as financial support and exposure, it still leaves the black artists feeling conflicted because depending on white people to make a living is a level of irony fitting for America. In the replies to the deleted tweets, no Name received vitriol for not wanting to perform for white majority audiences, once again showing how the gaze controls her existence as an artist. The idea that a black creator has to make content with a white audience in mind is an issue of agency. This is the same issue Toni Morrison faced and countless other black and minority creators still face every day. Prominent YouTube music critic Anthony Fantano, who has over 900,000 subscribers on his main channel and has received millions of views on his various videos, responded to No Name's series of tweets in a video. Fantano acknowledges that he does not want to whitesplain the experience No Name discussed. Unfortunately, you can't really choose your audience or how your audience chooses to interpret the music that you make, Fantano said. This is one of the central problems regarding the white gaze. While there is nothing wrong with a white person appreciating black works when warranted, an issue arises when white consumers of black content challenge the wants of the black creators they consume. In one of No Name's final tweets about the topic, she said, When I go to work, thousands of white people scream the word nigga at me. And no, I'm not changing my art, so it is what it is. Catch me at No Name Books. No Name has come to terms with the fact that she refuses to change her content to make white people feel more comfortable. Her white fans must understand her wishes and not say the reclaimed slur. It shows how much white fans don't respect their favorite black artists when they argue that the N-word should not be in songs if white people are prohibited to use the word. 
Though white people have always consumed hip hop, why does it seem like the white gaze is more negatively affecting the culture now? In Rap and Race, it's got a nice beat, but what about the message? An article in the Journal of Black Studies, Rachel E. Sullivan, now an associate professor at Montgomery College, writes, In its early years, rap's fans were primarily Black and Latino. However, the 1980s saw the popularity of rap music expand dramatically. She goes on to say, By the late 1980s, rap was no longer viewed as a fad, but as a distinctive musical form. Sullivan contests that hip-hop during the 80s was more overtly political, which caused potential white fans to feel disconnected from the critical sounds of the time. Sullivan's study concluded that Black people, more than other races, identified personally with the themes and messages of hip-hop. It would be unwise to expect all white people to become well-versed in the history of hip-hop in order to listen to it. But when is a good time for white people to understand the implications of their gaze? At what point should the disrespect of a genre be acknowledged? A video that surfaced in May of 2018 of a white woman at a Kendrick Lamar concert uncovers the disconnect the hip-hop genre has from its white consumers. The video shows a white woman being invited on stage to sing Mad City. The song begins and she sings the intro going into the hook, where Kendrick says the N-word many times. She repeats the slur until Kendrick and his DJ stop the music. The crowd immediately understands her fault. The woman herself says, am I not cool enough for you? What's up, bro? Kendrick replies with, you gotta be one single word though. To which she responds, oh, I'm sorry, did I do it? I'm so sorry, I'm used to singing it like you wrote it. Kendrick gives her another chance to sing along on stage but it doesn't work out and security escorts her off the stage. Mad City, a song with explicit lyrics, tells the rough tale of Kendrick's upbringing in Compton. Any fan of his would know what his content represents. But what would give her the idea that saying the N-word in front of a critical black artist would go well? White ethnocentrism. Does being a fan of a black artist give white people the agency to say the slurs included in his songs? I'd argue against it. Ethnocentricity allows white people the belief that all cultures are for their consumption. The video shows the woman shocked that she was called out for the behavior. There is no doubt that this is the same issue No Name and Toni Morrison have dealt with. Black people too often get ridiculed when we are protective of a culture that was demonized and separated from the ideals of quote-unquote real American values since our introduction to the Americas. It is important that both black and white people are cognizant of the white gaze and its negative effects. The white gaze serves to limit the cultural expression of blacks by way of white ethnocentricity. It is imperative that white people understand their own gaze and actively combat it. White people acknowledging their gaze when interacting with black culture to not impose their ideas of what black culture should represent is important. This mindfulness will help protect black cultural sovereignty and identity. <laughs>